My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and today on Peace by Believing, we're going to be thinking about the importance of being in God's timing. God's timing is so very important. Sometimes we pray for something, for example, and nothing happens, and maybe we just conclude, well, that must not be God's will. And In some cases, it's not God's will for us. But did you know sometimes you can pray for something, and it is God's will, And yet the reason that prayer hasn't been answered yet is because it's not in God's timing. And so with God, timing is so very important. And that's what we're going to be thinking about today, the importance of being in God's timing. On today's program, we're going to be hearing the second half of a sermon that I preached recently at our church here in Pasadena. And in the first sermon, I was explaining that when we're in God's timing, we receive some very special blessings in our lives. There's there's something very special and even very rewarding about being in God's timing because we experience all the good things that He has in mind for us. But that's not the only blessing. When we're in God's timing, it's amazing to me how divine opportunities present themselves to us. And we find ourselves, as they would say, in the right place at the right time. And we just happen to be here at the right time. And we just happen to meet this person. And this this opportunity just happens to present itself. Well, none of those things just happen to happen. Those things are happening because we're in God's timing and we're experiencing divine opportunities. And so the scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that God has made all things beautiful in its time. And so I encourage you today, wherever you are in life and whatever you might be facing and however frustrated that you might be because those prayers have not yet been answered, don't give up and don't despair. It may be that you're praying for the right thing and it's just not God's timing yet. So may this sermon today be a, an, a word from God uh, for all of us to wait, to be patient, to refuse to get ahead of God, and to be willing to wait on His timing, no matter how long that might last. Thanks for joining us today, and I hope this sermon will be a blessing to you. A second thing we miss when we don't wait on God are divine opportunities. Now think about Jesus. Jesus was on God's time schedule. But look back in verse number 1. It says, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for He did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill Him. And so the reason Jesus was hanging back in Galilee, he knew if he got two out there at the wrong time, that people might take his life. Now, I'm not even sure, really, if they could have killed Jesus before his time. There are other verses in the Scripture that would make us to believe, you know, Jesus could not have been killed until the cross. But let me give you this thought. If Jesus would have gotten out of God's timing, he really would have been out of God's will. And if Jesus would have been out of God's will, that would have been a sin, right? And if Jesus would have sinned by getting out of God's will, there would have been no purpose for him to die on the cross. Because his death on the cross did us good. Why? Because he was sinless and he was paying for our sins. But had Jesus sinned by getting out of God's will, by getting out of God's timing, then he would no longer have been sinless. Then he could not have died on the cross to pay for our sins. So I believe that had Jesus gotten out of God's will by getting out of God's timing in John chapter 7 and gone to Jerusalem prematurely, 
I believe it's possible that the Jews could have killed him because he no longer would have had the divine protection because he would have sinned by getting out of God's will. Now, let's just use that logic and think for just a moment. Think about the opportunities that Jesus would have missed had he been killed in John chapter 7. You see, when I say to you, if you're in God's timing, you're going to receive special blessings. Those blessings are for you. I'm saying if you're in God's timing, you're going to have divine opportunities. Those opportunities are to bless and to help and to lead others to Christ and to encourage others. Think about Jesus. Had he died in John chapter 7, he could not have forgiven the adulterous lady in John chapter 8. Had he died in John chapter 7, he could not have healed the blind man in John chapter 9. Had he died in John 7, he couldn't have given us that great talk in John 10 about how he's the great shepherd. Had he died in John 7, he couldn't have raised Lazarus from the dead in John 11. Had Jesus died in John chapter 7, we would not have John 13, 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples, and he, many of the great teachings of Jesus are in those chapters. In chapter 13, wash the disciples' feet. Chapter 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Chapter 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me. And you'll bear much fruit. Wouldn't have that. John 16, he taught us about the Holy Spirit. John 17, he's praying for us. John 18, there he is in the Garden of Gethsemane before the cross. But had he died in John 7 by getting out of God's will, by getting out of God's timing, he wouldn't have been in Gethsemane because he wouldn't have been going to go to the cross. And all those lessons we learn about surrendering our will in our Gethsemanes, we never would have learned those because Jesus never would have been there all the divine opportunities. I think also about that thief on the cross. Remember when Jesus died, there were three men who died. Jesus on the center cross, two other people, one on each side of him. They were being crucified too. And one of those thieves looked to Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. He saved that man. But had Jesus died in John 7 because he was out of God's will by being out of God's timing, when that thief was dying on the cross, see, he would have still been dying for his sins, but Jesus would not have been there to save him. And so the divine opportunities, and so as we think about God's timing, it's important not only for us that we be sensitive to God's timing and that we be in God's timing and that we be in step and in flow with God, but it's important for others. Think about all the opportunities that you would miss. I think about our church. My dad mentioned the relocation a little bit earlier. In 1991, for those of you who are new, our church was located back in the other, the other part of Pasadena near City Hall, a beautiful, beautiful location. Our church had been there since the 1950s. 1991, a door opened for us to buy 49 and a half acres of land out here. That's where we are today on, this, on that land. In 1994, the church got some portable buildings and put those buildings together. They're like a little trailer down there. And we began to have services the first Sunday of June of 1994. There weren't many people coming when it started, but it got up to about 300 people. That was a that room wouldn't hold any more than 300 people. Well, while services were being held at what we call the Fairmont location, we were still back at the old location having services there. And so we were have, we, our motto was one church at two locations. We were doing multiple locations before that became the cool thing to do. Like now everybody's doing that, but we had it going on back in the 90s. We did that from 1994 to 1999, five years. One church at two locations. And during that time, I wondered, others wondered, is it always going to be like this? 
Will we always have two locations? And if so, that's fine. But will it ever get to where First Baptist can be like one church at one location, all under one roof again? In 1997, the city of Pasadena had a school bond election. And one of the ramifications of that was that they were going to end up taking, uh, or they were trying to take control of La Iglesia del Pueblo, a a wonderful Hispanic church in North Pasadena. And so that church was in the process of kind of losing their facility in, in, that, in that whole exchange there, and they needed a new, a new place to meet. The pastor of that church, Roberto Villarreal, came to my dad, introduced himself, and said, Pastor Redmond, I, our church needs a new facility, and I know that y'all have a, something going on out there on Fairmont, but we would sure like to use, to, to take over this facility here, if that would be okay with you. And he said this, can I buy your church? And my dad said, well, it ain't my church. I can't sell it to you. It's the people's church. And we'll have to let them ask, and they can vote. And so he shared it with the church. The church voted, certainly voted to sell that to La Iglesia del Pueblo. For two years, our church and La Iglesia del Pueblo shared that facility. We had services, and then when we got finished, they came in, and they had services. I remember one Sunday night after the service, we had had ours, and we were leaving, and I was back in the back room somewhere, and this other guy about my age came up, and he stuck out, stuck out his hand. He said, my name's Robert Villarreal. He said, my father is the pastor. I said, well, my name's John Redman, and my father is the pastor. Now, what's going on here? And then we got to talking, and I said to him, and he has since become a great friend, and his dad had, and his brother, the whole family. I said, well, you know what? If your dad's a pastor and my dad's a pastor, that must mean we're brothers. And we felt like that, brothers. And brothers from another mother. We just felt close like that. And, uh, but for two years, we shared those facilities. And then in 1999, we became one church at one location. But what I'm saying is, back in 1991... When all this was being presented to the church, there were understandably more questions than answers. Because who knew in 91 what was going to happen in 94, what was going to happen in 97? Only God knew that. But what God said to First Baptist and to Iglesia, if you will just be in my timing, don't try to figure it out. Just stay in step with me. There are going to be opportunities out there that you would miss if you weren't in my timing. And we thank God for how he worked that out in our church. So we don't want to miss out on the special blessings, and we sure don't want to miss out on the divine opportunities. Now, last question. You still listen? Say amen. How do we know if it's God's time? I mean, here you're in a relationship, and you're trying to figure out, should I take it to the next level or not? Is it God's time? You're interviewing for a job. And you're trying to figure out, should I take that job? Is it, is it God's time? How do I know if it's God's time? Well, I want you to, it's interesting. When I first, earlier in the week when I was preparing this sermon, I had like three things I was going to say to answer that question. And the more I worked on it, I just felt led to simplify it and say it just so you could remember it. Here's the answer. I wish you'd write this down. Here's how you will know it's God's time for you to buy the house, buy the TV, retire, uh, take the new job, whatever it is it might be. Here's how you'll know. God's Spirit will give you a green light. He'll give you a green light. See, that's what I did not have when I was trying to buy that TV. I didn't have a green light. I had money, but I didn't have peace. And God, when it is His time for you to do this thing that you're praying about and trying to figure out, He will give you a green light. And He said, John, how's that green light going to come? Well, it could come... Lots of different ways. It could certainly come from God's Word. I can remember years and years ago, we were still at the old location. And my dad was preaching a sermon one Sunday morning out of 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul was writing to Timothy. 
his son in the ministry. And in the third verse of that first chapter, Paul said to Timothy, remain in Ephesus. He was just telling Timothy. Timothy was afraid. He was a young guy. He was timid. He was having some opposition and some problems. And Paul said, don't run. Don't leave. Stay in Ephesus. And I'm not even sure what the emphasis of his sermon was that morning. But when he read that verse and started preaching about, you know, stay in Ephesus, God's Spirit took those words and applied them to my heart. And God said to me, just like Timothy was supposed to stay in Ephesus, you're supposed to stay in Pasadena. You see, that's a rhema word. You're reading the Bible, and something happened, and yet you can't get past it. See, if you're trying to decide what to do, and you're, you're, you're getting impatient, and you're ready to just step out there and do something, and you read that verse, for example, in Timothy, where it says, stay in Ephesus. Now, if God doesn't want you to stay where you are, you'll just read over that, and you won't give it a second thought. But if God is speaking to you through that passage, you'll read that phrase, stay in Ephesus, remain in Ephesus. And it's like you'll, you'll, it's something in your heart will say, go back and read that again. And you can't, or maybe you'll memorize it. And see, that's a rhema word. God is speaking to you through his word. I was thinking of another example. In Exodus 14, do you remember the passage where Moses was about to lead the children of Israel across the Red Sea? The Egyptians were coming in from behind, and they were trapped in the, in the Red Sea. And so they, God was about to part it, and they were going to go across. And Moses was praying. And Moses was telling the people, now, we're going to trust God, and God's going to take care of us. In Exodus chapter 14, God spoke to Moses, and God, it's a very interesting thing. God said to Moses, Moses, stop praying and move forward. You see, if it's time for you to take that job, if it's time for you to buy that house or that TV, if it's time for you to make that investment or whatever it is, and you're reading through Exodus 14 and you read that word, move forward. If God wants you to move forward, it's like that will jump off the page and that will become a rhema word for you, a, a, a specialized, customized word for you, and you will just feel in your heart that word was mean. Now, I'm going to tell you, you have to be careful on this. You can't just, if you're wanting to move forward, you can't just, you know, start looking for verses that say, go forward, act, move. I mean, you can't do the Bible like that. You, I mean, you can make the Bible. But I'm saying if in an organized, systematic way of studying the Bible, you come across a phrase like that. You don't want to be like the guy that said, okay, God, give me a word from you. Show me what to do today. Whatever this verse says, what I'm going to do. And he'll put his finger down, kind of the lucky dip theory. And he looked down. And it said, Judas went out and hanged himself. And he said, well, that's not, that's not good. I don't like that one. I want to get another one. So he said, God, let's try that again. He turned over another page. Go thou and do likewise. He said, oh, no, this is getting worse. You tell me to do what Judas did. He said, Lord, let's do the third one. He turned another Bible, lucky dip, put his finger down. Whatever you do, do quickly. He said, wait a second. Now, this is not working for me. You can't read the Bible like that. The Bible is not a magic book. The Bible is a living book, but it, you can't do it like that. What I'm saying to you, if you're serious about God, this happened to me yesterday. I'm home reading, my reading yesterday, 1 Kings, no, I'm sorry, 2 Kings 18, 19, 20. I read in chapter 19, Hezekiah had been praying about something. And God said to Hezekiah, because you have prayed, I have heard you. And it just gripped me. And I wrote something in my Bible that I was praying for. I said, and I dated it, yesterday's date. I said, God, I'm asking you to do this. Then I read 2 Kings 
chapter 20, the very next chapter, verses 5, I think it's 4 and 5 or 5 and 6. And when I read it, God answered the prayer that I had just been praying. In other words, I read something in chapter 19 that gripped me. I prayed, God, please do this for me. I read chapter 20, and it's like the words jumped off the page, and it's like God said, I have done this for you. Accept it. And it was like, it became a rhema word for me just yesterday. And so God will speak to you. But what I'm saying, when an experience like that, it's not lucky dip turning like that. No, it's reverent. You're serious about God's word. But when you read it, you're not just reading black ink on white paper. Friend, this book is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And when you read God's word, the spirit of God is sitting beside you. In fact, he is within you. And if there's something within that day's reading that God has for you, stay in Ephesus, move forward, God will speak it to you, and you will know, and it will be like God has given you a green light, and whether you stay or whether you move forward, you will do it with confidence. You will do it with assurance. You will do it with peace. You will do it without being timid and second-guessing and wondering if I made the right decision or not. You will say, God has given me by His Word, through His Spirit, a green light. And because I have a green light from God, now I know what to do. Amen? Well, we're going to have to stop there for today because talking about timing, we are running out of time. And so I wanted to spend just a few minutes in the studio today kind of wrapping up what I was talking about there at the end of that sermon when I kept referring to a rhema word from God. Now, you may not be familiar with that word rhema. It's spelled R-H-E-M-A. It's a Greek word, and it's one of the words used in the Bible to describe uh, the word word, W-O-R-D. Now, in the Greek language, the main word that is used to describe uh, word or that is translated word is the Greek word logos, L-O-G-O-S. And logos refers to the written word of God. Like when you read the Bible, you are reading the, the logos of God. You're reading the written words of God. And it also refers to the living word. That word logos refers to Jesus Christ himself. He's the one who said in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so Jesus used the word logos to describe himself. So when you think of the word logos, think of the written word and think of the living word, Jesus Christ. Now that word rhema is another Greek word that is translated in our English Bibles as word. And the meaning of the word rhema is, I mean, maybe I can describe it better than I can define it. A rhema is when God speaks directly to your heart, and he can do that in a number of ways. Sometimes you might just be reading your Bible, and you're just maybe reading a chapter in the Scriptures, and as you're reading those, uh, those words from God, one of those verses or one of those phrases or one of those truths, it's just like it pops off the page, and it just speaks directly to you. And God, you know when you read that, that God has spoken and that you'll hear, sometimes hear somebody say, well, this morning in my quiet time, God gave me a word. Well, what does that person mean? What that person means today, I was reading a chapter in the Bible and one of those verses just leapt off the page and God spoke to me about something that I'm going through, something that I've been praying about, something that I'm facing. And so that person received what we would call a word from the word, a special 
personalized word, and God can do that. So sometimes when you're reading the Bible, be looking for that. Be looking for for a specific word. It's always wise before you read your Bible to say, God, what do you have for me today? And, and, and there are many times in my life, just in the daily reading of God's word, that God has given me a verse or a phrase or some teaching of Scripture, and he has personalized it. See, that's really what a rhema is. It's a personalized word from God. It's a customized word from God. It's something that God has for you, and just as you're reading the Bible, it just jumps off the page. And so that becomes what we would call a rhema or a personalized word or an utterance. That's the idea behind a rhema, and sometimes we get that just reading the Bible. Sometimes we get a rhema, and we're not reading the Bible at all. Maybe we have... Uh, read the Bible earlier in the day, or maybe our mind is a thousand miles away from the Bible, and yet we're in a situation. I'm thinking of multiple situations in my life. I'll share two of them. One of them happened many, many years ago. I was driving down a street here in our city, and I was going through a difficult time in my own life. And as I was just driving down the road and thinking about the situation that I was facing and what in the world I was supposed to do, I just had a scripture verse that came into my mind, and the verse was simply this, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I had heard a particular pastor sharing that verse on television, and I mean, that had probably been months or even years previous that I'd heard that, and all of a sudden, that was the word that came to my mind, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And so I came to church, and I went to my study, And I got my concordance because I didn't even know where that verse was found in the Bible. And I looked up that uh, quote or one of the key words in that, no weapon. I guess I looked up the word weapon. And I found that that verse was located in Isaiah 54, 17. And so I got my Bible, I opened it up, and I read it. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And today, I would say this to you. If you're going through a difficult situation and you feel like maybe circumstances or people or life itself has turned against you, and you feel like what you're facing is so big that there's no way you can survive it, claim, or first of all, just read Isaiah 54, 17, and see if God doesn't speak to you through that uh, verse. That may be God's rhema word for you today. I can tell you another time that God gave me a rhema, just gave me a verse. I was in a doctor's office. Several years ago, I was diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma. That's kidney cancer. I had a malignant tumor on the top of my left kidney. And thankfully, the doctor was able to go in and remove that tumor, and I was able to keep 95% of that kidney. But after a procedure like that, and I thank God that it hadn't spread or anything like that, it was contained right there in that area. But after a procedure like that, you have to go back for follow-up scans. And so on one occasion, I had been to the doctor, and I had had a, an MRI, and I was going back the next week to meet with the doctor to get the results. And I was sitting in his office. I was just by myself. And I was just thinking and praying, God, I, I hope and pray this is a good result. Please let it come back clear. And thankfully, it did. But while I was sitting there thinking that, and I was a little bit nervous, and to be honest with you, I was a little bit scared. And a verse just popped into my mind, and the verse said, Be still and know that I am God. And I knew that God had spoken that verse to me. That's Psalm 4610. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And I I didn't have my Bible with me. I wasn't reading the Bible. I was just sitting there waiting on a doctor to come in, and I was very nervous. 
And out of the blue, and it was literally out of the blue, it was out of the heavens, God spoke to me and God gave me that verse, be still and know that I am God. And there have been other times in my life, and I'm sure you've had experiences like that. Sometimes God will give you a rhema, and it may not even be a scripture verse. It may just be like a word of instruction. Don't do this. Don't go there. Turn right at this intersection. Don't go the plan- the route you were planning on going. It's like an impression. You just, in your spirit, you feel like today, instead of taking the interstate, I should go a different route. And later on in the day, you find out that there was a horrible accident on the interstate. And so God was directing. See, that's a rhema. God just spoke directly to your heart. He, he told you what to do. And so in your life, as you're seeking God's will, ask him to speak to you through his word, by his spirit. Sometimes God can give us a rhema through another person. And God may be using me today to speak to you and to tell you to be still and know that he is God, to wait on his timing. Remember, he makes all things beautiful in its time. So I pray for you today that you'll be a patient waiter and that you'll experience God's absolute best for your life.